Hello, and welcome to episode six of the Embers Collective podcast. My name is Sean Kidd, and today I'm going to be telling you a story I wrote about plums. Have you ever eaten a plum picked fresh from the bush? They are so sweet and so fine, and when you finish, there is a hard little stone that always gets thrown away. Well, this is a story about those discarded things, so common and yet often forgotten. The things we discount that may well have more to them than we assume. Sat in a kitchen with a large bowl of fresh sweet plums in front of her, sat a cook, holding a knife, her long skirt streaked with flowery hand marks. She picked up a plum and sliced through the flesh, putting the fruit in a bowl and the stone in a bucket. The fruit in the bowl and the stone in a bucket. The fruit in the bowl and a stone in the bucket. The fruit in the bowl and the stone in the bucket until... There was a great pile of red, juicy flesh in that bowl and a bucket of discarded, sticky stones on the floor. The cook stood and went to the sink to wash her hands. And it was then, while her back was turned, as the water rushed clean and sure from the tap, that the bucket's contents stirred and quivered and churned with an indescribable consciousness, standing up to become something alive and sentient. The creature looked at itself, and then it spoke. Who am I? It uttered, the words a surprise on its lips, and as they lingered in the air, the cook Surprised to hear anything in her empty kitchen, turned around, and with dripping wet hands, she caught sight of a small, sticky being in front of her, and letting out a shriek, she fled from the room. And in the pregnant silence that followed, down from the table jumped Knife, all smiley-like, and it answered, "'You are you.' I know not who but I, I am knife, I slice and dice and I chop, I am sharp and practical and this kitchen is not for anything that is not, now be off with you and with that the knife jibbed and jabbed the newly formed little creature out of the warm and comforting kitchen into the cold dark hallway, a musty, dusty, transient kind of place. And standing there, the creature felt very alone. It had liked the kitchen, a safe, warm place that smelt of comfort and company. And as it pondered this and adjusted, the creature heard a sound and it felt a feeling. And as it looked up to see where these came from, it saw a great clock. And the little creature called out, clock blinked and pondered and answered, hmm, well, you are you, I know not who, but I, I am clock, I 
watch and tick and talk. I am reliable, persistent, and I represent time, which you have met already, though I doubt you know it. Now that sound you hear, is it passing you by? I wouldn't waste it if I was you. Now go, go forth and use it well. And with that, Clock ushered the creature down the hallway toward the heavy front door. A trail of sticky plum juice was left behind it. And it was as it approached that the great door creaked open, letting in something fresh and cool and whooshy. And the little creature liked it and stepped onto the porch to feel it more. And standing there outside for the first time, it lifted up its sticky little face and it called out, Who am I? And something heard and whispered in the distance with the wisdom of weather and direction and it answered, You are you. I know not who but I. I am wind. Unpredictable and exhilarating. I blow and bluster and tickle. All things change around me. Now, which direction are you going? I know. I'll help you get there. And with that, wind whipped the creature up into the air in a great gust of unexpectancy pulling his little stony body apart and scattering it down onto the floor. And there, laying in pieces, he stared up in all of its separate parts and saw a great dark shape flap, flap, flap down next to him. And the creature asked, Who am I? great dark shape answered you are you I know not who but I I am crow and I am hungry and with that crow peck peck pecked away at that soft sticky flesh until there was nothing left but clean brown stones scattered on the soil and with that his great black shape flap flap flapped away And watching all of this was Oak, the great gentle giant. And he took pity then and he called out, You, you down there. And from his scattered parts, Creature said, Me? But who am I? (laughs) And Oak answered, You are you. I know not who, but I, I am tree, sturdy and patient. I shelter and rustle and watch, and I see you, little one, tired and unsure. Why not rest a while here with me? And with that, tree spread out its branches and rustled gently. And the sound was soothing. And before long, the little creature fell asleep. And it slept for a very long time. 
through the leaves falling on top of it, acorns bouncing off the ground. Through the winter, as the soil frosted over, the berries grew red and condensation formed on the window as smoke billowed out into the air. Through spring, as all of the branches became green once more, buds appearing and birds singing. Through summer, as the sun beat down, the smells of warmth drifting on the breeze, back into autumn, autumnal hues, wood smoke, back through into winter once more, the cold and the freeze and the frost, and through again into spring. And it was then that the little creature, deep, deep below the ground, woke up. And all those questions, somewhere inside there was an answer. And that answer pushed through out of that brown little stone, shooting up and up until green arms reached out of the top of the soil and pushed itself up. And the creature began to stand up, shooting up and up, branches pushing out and out, arms reached out, buds appearing, leaves forming. And swaying there in the wind, little green balls began to grow. And those little green balls began to ripen until they became great, juicy plums. And those plums, ripe and ready, began to drop, drop, drop to the floor. Until, in front of them, all of his children looked up and began to ask, Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And the creature smiled and looked down and answered, (laughs) My children, I have so much to tell you. Thank you, Sean. That was lovely. So um, we are here today with Lonan Jenkins Hello. and Tim Cop. Hello. And I am Sarah Lisa Wilkinson. So, Sean, will Hello. you tell us a little bit about where that story came from? Yeah. So, I some years ago now was uh, was living on a boat for a short period of time, a puppet theatre boat to be specific, uh, and I was a trainee. Uh, learning how to do puppetry and um, while I was staying on there the lady that runs it has a plum tree in her garden and would periodically bring to the boat very large bags of very delicious fresh plums oh, and gosh. it was really nice <laughs> um, but you know there's only so many plum dishes that one person can learn For sure yeah so <laughs> plum crumble plum cobbler and there was just there were loads I made loads and loads of plum things and I ended up uh, becoming quite obsessed with the stones so I like cleaned them and I've used them in puppet making and stuff ever since. So I guess the seed of the story was from that experience, really. And the idea of like the fact that these these stones are in so many things. They're called droops, actually. What, plum stones? Yeah. Droops? Yeah. Really? Yeah, a fruit with a stone in the middle of it is a a droop. Wow, every day is a school day. (laughs) (laughs) Like droop as in spelled like 
when you're droopy? I think, oh no, that might be, oh, that's got a whole different meaning. Yeah. Like, droopy plums, no yeah. one wants droopy plums. <laughs> um, I think it's more like a D-R-U-P-E. So oh yeah. I don't know, Ooh. I'm opening that Ooh. out. I like this <laughs> yeah. Nice. Please email us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> any suggestions? So you have, you made puppets of like little kind of, see, animated plum stones. So that's kind what of, yeah, they're kind of used in, um, I teach found object puppet making quite yeah. a lot. And they're part of things that can be used as eyes or mm-hmm. just reused. I've got mm-hmm. olive stones as well and the peaches. Peaches are beautiful. You've ever seen a peach stone when they're like yeah. really old? I think they're just really beautiful things. We don't really pay attention to them, we just chuck them away. Mm. Oh, that's the is, the, uh, is the boat you used to work on the Middleton? It company? is. It's okay. the Puppet Theatre Park. We should, we should plug that a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. it's so great. Such a great place. It is lovely. So it's um, the Puppet Theatre Barge is run by some friends of ours um it's been going for it's been going 40. for over th- yeah yeah like um i believe it's 40 years now 40 yeah. maybe 45 oh my wow. third time. third generation yeah um independent family run theater it's one of the only places in the country that you can see marionette shows all year round they train people in how to operate marionettes, and I was really lucky to be one of those people. So um, it's, yeah, and it's a wonderful experience. The mm. boat is normally in Little Venice um, for much of the year. It's there now during the winter, and then it travels down the canals to Richmond for the summer, um, where it takes a trainee on. So it's a really lovely experience. I was, like, living on Richmond, on the river in Richmond, in this boat, in a tiny little cabin, and you're kind of like, you know, you'd clean everything away after lunch and then get ready for the public to come in. Mm. So, you know, you'd always have, like, lovely fresh-cooked food, and mm. um, everybody would, like, eat dinners together, and you'd have, like, and you'd be learning your puppets and stuff. It's all very magical and very lovely, very lovely times, and so thinking yeah. of all of that is, is really fun. And There's quite a bit of crossover with Embers and them, actually, because yeah. Josh, who regularly does music with us uh, he's an accordionist and singer and he's it's his family who run it and also Rixie has done voices for them mm. Talise has done voices for them I've done a bit of music for them yeah. Dunya's done music for them yeah, yeah it's all a bit of a crossover and we is. had a puppet company together called Mirth and Misery which yeah, we still run we well, performed a show together for a long time um, so yeah and I lived with those guys for ages <laughs> <laughs> what one big happy family yeah <laughs> <laughs> So how did you kind of, because um, I know that you do so much beautiful stuff, how did you start kind of like coming over to do storytelling as well from your puppetry? Oh, so I was at an event performing with my puppet company, very mm. like early performance, and I saw a storyteller who I still absolutely love called Alice Torrance, who's a friend Alice of Torrance yours. Alice Torrance is amazing. You should also she plug is. her. Yeah. <laughs> She's a brilliant storyteller, she runs is. a brilliant storytelling night called Story Jam. It's amazing, <laughs> and her and Lucy do wonderful, brilliant mm. things. But Alice was at this event called Telltales, mm. which ironically is just called that, it wasn't a storytelling event. Uh, it was sort of an open forum for short performances run by another brilliant friend of mine called um, Amy Clamp, um, and her company, Jack Door, she runs with another lady called Bethan. And Alice was there performing this brilliant story about a crow that steals the light and puts it in a box inside another box. Mm-hmm. And she was performing with a Baroque recorder player. Um, uh, and it was just the most, I remember it was like the first time I'd really seen storytelling in that way. And I was completely transfixed and totally hooked. Mm-hmm. And afterwards I kind of was like, went to say hello and was like, 
that was amazing like you're amazing and this was brilliant like we should I do puppets like can we do this thing so for a really long time I kind of wanted to work with storytelling within puppetry not thinking like maybe I could do it myself and then um when the embers was first formed Tim called me and was basically like we're going to do storytelling do you remember and you were like yeah. do you have any stories and I was like Oh yeah, actually I did like write a story about a little girl who turns into like a mushroom girl and I kind of told Tim the story down the phone and Tim was like, yeah, that's, yeah, like let's do that. So I think it was the second event that I came and did yeah, when we yeah. were at the Star, which one was the pub? The Star by Hackney Downs, yeah. yeah. Star yeah. by Hackney Downs and that was, that was it. But it's been a really weird transition because I used to do lots and lots of puppetry performance and I've now kind of done less and less of that now doing other things in puppetry but trying to do more and more storytelling mm. so it's amazing really to have that to do that I remember when you first came to that event and uh, and we've talked about this before you said like the difficult thing is not having a puppet to hide behind when you're actually God. doing it and then when you're telling a story it's just you and I remember that first event you wanted to have like puppets and stuff <laughs> you wanted to bring them. of course I and did it, it's, it's, but it's really good like because you've, you've like as much I think that still would work really well and could be a really nice thing to do at some point, but you've now, you don't need that and you now come and you tell your story and it's and it's it's great. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I, I really, your stories are always just fucking great. I <laughs> listen to them. <laughs> I seem to remember you hiding behind a book in the first. Oh, God, I was disgustingly nervous. <laughs> so I just had to have like shy. a script or a paper or something and I was like, oh. But think how far you've come has been... It's, yeah, it's like it's it's a journey, but it's it's like very exposing actually. I think when you're, you know, when you're on stage as a as a teller, you you're really like you're you, and you're not performing as such as anything else. You're just you're telling people a story, mm -hmm. yeah. and they're looking at you to be that. And and if, as a performer or a, you know anyone that's been on stage, you're kind of quite used to having a either a character or a persona. Or for me, it's always a puppet. So it is. It, it's been a real journey of like trying to not feel disgustingly nervous every <laughs> single time which I'm still working on I think it's hugely exposing like I think it's I remember the very first story I ever told and, and just that idea because I'd acted before you know I was like I'm just gonna go on and just pretend the audience aren't there do you know what I mean mm. and I, I looked at I remember seeing storytellers who had this amazing connection with mm. the audience I was like that just seems <laughs> insane like I loved it that's what mm. I loved about it but I thought that's another planet that's another world yeah but I guess he just Learn, learn yeah by doing it yeah yeah and seeing others like influences and stuff mm. people like you know so lucky to have seen us and you i saw you i saw you perform with alice I, I, and we, we were there we, were there. we, we went, to, went to see you yeah because that's where we met isn't oh, it oh god mm. you make me laugh and cry and i was just like oh my god this is so amazing <laughs> <laughs> in that tiny little room <laughs> oh, i love that this actually was such a lovely venue candace and cream it yeah. is such a lovely venue it is lovely and really good cake there's loads of themes in this story um and you've you've brought in loads of different elements do you want to talk a little bit about you know the clock and the knife and, and wind and everything yeah i guess it's a funny kind of thing, isn't it? I suppose, I suppose I wanted to explore this idea of cycles and inevitability and self-identity, I suppose. The inevitability and the, the fact that we are who, who we are. And at some point, you know, it's in there all the time, isn't it? Like, even if it's not very obvious or, you know, it's quite confusing being yourself for most people. I don't know, mm. maybe some of us don't feel that way. But, you know, I suppose it's all... 
the beginnings are always really comfortable, aren't they? The, the humble beginnings of, you know, the bucket. <laughs> and then, yeah, this idea that at some point something always jabs you out into the real world. Something that's, you know, it's inevitable, isn't it? You're going to have to leave the comfort of wherever you start from. And you always end up somewhere a bit transient and there's a sense of, you know, time ticking by. And maybe that's me being more reflective because of where I'm at with my life about thinking like, oh gosh, you know, time does seem to rush away with you and evaporate before your very eyes. And yeah, you always get the sense of needing to go and go out and, and push yourself. And sometimes you push yourself too far and we pull ourselves in multiple directions and end up being pulled, you know, whisked away by whatever the wind is, is that fun or is that romance or whatever that is, you know, many of us have that journey. And then we sort of end up feeling unsure of who we are. Many of us go through cycles where we end up literally in pieces. And that could either be mental health or, or whatever's happened in your life. And it always seems at those times when you're lowest that something else bad comes along. I don't know. Mm. But then sometimes those things are what expose us. They are the things that peck away at us and make us, you know, finally absorb and, and hunker down. And I suppose I always have this reoccurring theme of an oak tree, I suppose, because I find them really reassuring. Mm. And they've always been quite sacred throughout history. And, and there's a reason why the return to nature and the return to something that's much older and wiser than you, you know, which I always find really reassuring, particularly when I'm scattered in pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just this idea that then to just, to just chill and, and, and lie down and, and, and rest a while. Sometimes those moments where you take that, that time to do that is when you truly discover what, what's there all along. Mm. And we were talking about this, um, just before we started recording about um, Rixie's poem that was on the last podcast about mm. you or you and you being here and your story actually completely coincidentally has exactly the same theme running yeah. through it about accepting that you are you <laughs> and that's okay and that's enough and, and yep. instead of walking around going who am I you just need to be okay being you and, and that's more than enough as Rixie said in his poem what I was thinking about while you were telling it is is that like you were saying that idea of cycles but that there, you know, there's a there's a great talk by Alan Watts, and he talks about how we think that the beginning is birth and the end is death because that's when our consciousness starts and ends. But actually, we've always existed in these scattered forms, or whether it's like plumstones. Mm. And when we die, we actually continue to exist in those forms. And in that way, we're actually infinite. Like we're we're part of this mm. much bigger thing. And you, your story exposes that really beautifully because the plum stones were there and they come together they form this creature it's conscious is wondering who it is and then when it dies it goes back into the cycle and becomes other things and passes on and that that's a such a, a beautiful and, and comforting and humbling thought that that we're part of this much bigger infinite expanse of of what's going on and going returning to nature and everything and and that you know it, it sort of stops you thinking about your birth being the beginning and death being the end is it's much bigger than that yeah i think that's a really reassuring thought i lost um a couple of members of my family last year and i've always thought that my uncle would be in that cycle mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it would have been his birthday today actually. Mm. Happy birthday. Mm. Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah i think you're right you know it's important to give yourself like something after isn't it mm. And it's not an afterlife in the, in the religious sense. It's a very real 
returning and being part of something bigger and being part of a cycle is it's um in, in my head and the way I think about it you know and it's tangible isn't it if you think about nature as being that cycle you can always go outside and stand in the wind or stand in a field mm-hmm. and it'll be there Tim your music on this was really lovely and I think you and Sean I find you work really well together like the Gomba story with the mushroom I really I love what you've done with the music on that and then this mm-hmm. one again I was listening to it it just sounded beautiful how do you how do you find putting it together and like working on that super easy like, <laughs> yeah I can I can hear when when Sean's uh I just she she's singing she's singing it anyway like so it's just a case of following do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, this is the verse, this is the second verse. Like, I know where we are, I know what's going on. We don't even need to rehearse most of the time. It's just like, yeah, it's super clear where we are. Um, and, yeah, I love your word painting as well, mate. You just make my life really easy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> make me sound good. You have the most beautiful intuition, though. It's like I don't even need to say, or oh, I thought you'd just do it. And I'm like, yep, that. Yeah, that's what. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's really nice. Like, and there's always these moments where we fall into beats that are really lovely, like the kind of clock moment and things like that, which I really love. But you just are able to paint something really, I don't know, I feel like I'm there a lot of the time, especially when you do guitar stuff or like, which you do most, but you know, there's a lot of other little bits and pieces you put in there too. So yeah, it's really, it's always lovely hearing you bring it to life more. Oh, thanks. Thanks you. Yeah. How have you found performing it? Because you've done it a couple of times with us. What's what's been the experience like? Oh, it was like the, well, the last time we did it was by canal boat, so that was very lovely. Was Quite so fitting, fun. considering oh, really, the, yeah. the beginnings of the story. It was. That was a really lovely, intimate evening with sort of fire and warm cider and all the nice things. It was like the first real night of autumn. Yeah, yeah. I it really was. Yeah. What was this? Was I there? You were. You were. Well. Well. <laughs> we had Jack. Who did we Jack have? Oh yes, we had lovely Jack. Was it yeah. It was the lovely the village. Barge, another thing we need to plug. Oh, yeah, the village but It is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant venue that I wish I could go to so much more than I do. They're yeah. wonderful. It's like dogs and good, honest boating people with delicious food and Cider all the fun things. Yeah. Fire and, and they like, yeah, they poodle around the, the canals in London and show up in wonderful places and then just put on exceptionally fun and interesting things yeah. with really nice yeah, people. They are great, yeah, the village butty. Yeah. That was such a lovely evening mm. um, and it was like after such a mental, crazy, busy summer and, and me and Jack had just got back from you and I festival and then to arrive and have everyone gathered around and it was like the first time feeling the cold and we were all like, oh, yeah. it's a bit chilly, isn't it? And, <laughs> and, uh, and having the fire, having some cider and it, it felt like such a significant change. It, it was, was like, okay, summer's over and now we're into something different and yeah. that energy had was was had just switched and um, yeah, I came away from that evening feeling chilly on the outside and warmed on the inside. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was very like that. It felt like themed as well because it was like seasonal and like, yeah, I think James did his story and mm. it's about winter and it's, yeah, the sense of things coming in. It was a really lovely night. Yeah. Sorry, Tim. Yes, <laughs> sorry, Tim. Tim. No, that sounds great. <laughs> You've had your fair share. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually, that's a good, a good thing to chat about was that recently we did our... Um, our first all-female show. Mm. We didn't talk about mm. this. Yeah, no, we, we haven't talked about Yeah, it. we did a witch 
uh, at Balabam and we had four storytellers and we had the amazing Telltale Tusk um, doing the music and it was the first time that I actually got to watch an Ember's show. Mm. I mean, there's ones that I haven't done but that's because I haven't been there. So it was the first time actually going, ooh, this could really catch on. (laughs) (laughs) I like this. (laughs) Yeah, it was such a nice event. Um, I was very, very proud. It was like, wow. Mm. And... Yeah, what did you, 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 Sarah, Lisa and Sean both told stories there and yeah, what, what did you guys feel of that event? It's so difficult, isn't it? Because when you're in the moment, I mean, it was great. It was lovely working with Telltale Tusk oh, and it was great yeah. working with the four of us as well. I mean, I was, what did you use earlier? Disgustingly nervous. Disgustingly nervous. I was disgustingly nervous. I beforehand go, oh. I had an entire glass of whiskey. Just to <laughs> I full blown was like, oh, this is just because everybody that came was our friend. Like there was a lot of friends in yeah. the audience, and it was absolutely rammed, yeah. unexpectedly, and it was like felt really significant as well because it was this incredible. Or everyone's stories was like really be like oh, I I thought it was my it was actually probably my favourite. Ender's show, but kind of also because you were all there watching us, but that was also why I was disgustingly nervous. <laughs> it was a very strange, you know, thing to have um, you and, and you guys and Sam at the back watching. Um, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, it was an, it was an interesting one from my end because similar to Tim, um, I've either been performing on the event or not there. Actually, I think I've only ever missed one Ember's event, but. I've never had the the luxury of being an an audience member for the entire show and not th- sitting there thinking about my story or thinking shitting myself or thinking <laughs> is this working or what's happening or what's wrong, um and so I I loved being able to switch my brain off and just enjoy it as a, as an audience member and I was bawling my eyes out crying at your story um, <laughs> oh, over in the corner sorry. and like no in a really good way it wasn't like it was it was just a emotion rather than like extra like sadness it was just a, a beautiful and I remember looking around the audience and seeing everyone's faces and everyone engaged in in you and and, and in, in your story and everyone's face was expressing what I was feeling as well and having this real incredible moment of of that shared connection with everyone in the room and thinking oh this is this is quite great actually. <laughs> like, There's a little bit magic, you know. Um, and I haven't in the three years we've been doing that. Like I, I, it's not that I, it's you know you get caught up in in the putting it together and the admin and everything. So I had that really beautiful moment of of enjoying it. And and I, I mean I always enjoy it. It's not that I don't enjoy it, but you know what I mean. It was lovely. So I'm thank sorry you. I made you cry. No. I, there's, there's a, yeah, that is a crier. I think some people have cried at the plums too. I mean they were possibly hungover, but they did cry at the plums. I think I think people crying is is definitely not a bad thing and I don't think it's something you should apologize for it's um it means that you've you've moved people and people have felt it and connected with it and mm. you know your story was a sad one and and but ended in a, in a very you know uplifting and positive way so I wouldn't apologise for making me cry. Aww. I think sometimes I go to storytelling so I can have a good cry. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I used to do when I first discovered it, I'd like get my glass of red wine, I'd sit and I was like, I better start weeping soon. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. And I'm like, yep, thanks very much. Bring all the tears. Got what I came for. <laughs> Story therapy, thank you very much. <laughs> <But> you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a spectrum, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sean. Thank that you was very really much. Yeah, thank you. It was lovely. Yeah. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody, and tune in next time for the next episode of the Embers Collective <laughs> podcast. You've been here with Sean Kidd, Lonan Jenkins, Sarah Lisa Wilkinson, and Tim Carp. Good night. Bye. Bye.